Day two of minicamp is in the books. Let's talk about the biggest storylines just before the Bengals take their break for the offseason. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm Jake. Let's go along with James Rapine, your hosts of the Lockdown Bengals podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can subscribe to this show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. Become one of those valued first listeners. We appreciate all of you who make us your first listen every day and all of you who make us an everyday listen. Today we're joined by Charlie G, Charlie Goldsmith at Charlie G underscore underscore on Twitter, sports reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer, who has been down at Paycor Stadium for the last couple of days covering Bengals mini camp. And we haven't heard from Charlie for quite a while. I think we've had you on this program before. In fact, I'm certain that we have, but it's been a while. And well, we thought it would be a good time to bring in a, another perspective on some of the big storylines, what's going on around the Cincinnati Bengals these days. And Charlie, I know you've got uh, a keen mind for describing these stories and putting them together and articulating them in a way that I think is, is unique to the kind of work that you do. So excited to get your perspective today. Let's start there. What to you are the big stories, the, the top couple of stories or so for you at this point in, in the Bengals offseason, just a, a day or two before you get to take a little break for uh, the, the break between mini camp and training camp? Yeah, number one for me, and I'm sure you guys have mentioned this, but Chidobi Uje, uh, Cam Taylor Britt literally told me today I didn't know that he'd look this good. Uje uh, talking about all of the football activity he plans to do between now and uh, camp. Uje talking about replaying plays in his head from last season and determining from a, a film study perspective, from an anticipation perspective, from just the way he gets in and out of his break, stuff he's working on right now, putting himself in position to become more of a turnover-creating player all of that where he's at mentally, where he's at physically. Um, you know, we talk about the, the Bengals secondary being what will make or break how good the defense is because it's the only thing that's changed on that unit. And Ouja and how much he has gotten stronger and how much he has developed and how he really looks ahead of schedule. To me, I think that's the most important thing we've seen during this offseason program. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I've been really impressed with how he looks. And I've talked about it a lot here on the pod, Charlie, but Cheeto – He's one of the best athletes on the team. We didn't know that when they signed him. I didn't, at least. When they signed him and he was giving Jamar Chase hell when Chase was a rookie, and everyone was like, what's going on with the fifth pick? Well, it turns out Cheeto's really, really good. But he might have the most on the line. We, yeah. We've talked a lot about Jonah. We've talked a lot about you know Tyler Boyd and even DJ Reader. But if Cheeto goes out there and has a 2021 season, maybe even a little better than that at 28 years old, and I know that's a lot to ask coming off of an ACL, but if he does, he might go out there and make $16 million a year as a number one corner somewhere else because it's a contract year. Yeah, if, we're, if he doesn't get hurt, we're probably having long conversations this offseason. How do you balance the the Burrow extension, the Higgins extension, the Wilson extension, and the Awuja extension? Um, yeah. He's someone who plays a premium position. If you're going to give a contract, to, a third contract to anyone, I think it would be the person who plays probably maybe – you can have the debate with Ed Rusher, the most premium position. I think what's unique about Cheeto is 
<clears throat> I like him against Tyree Kill. I also like him against a T. Higgins type of receiver as well, that versatility against number ones. If he is 90, 85% as good as he was last year, that is a, a corner who gets, who's, who's uh, going to get paid a lot of money. Do you think that the extensions qualify as, as one of the more interesting stories? I know that the Burrow extension is kind of talked out. Joe Burrow is sick of talking about it. He told you guys to hold your questions, right? But outside of even Burrow, you're talking about Abuzia as a potential extension candidate had he not been hurt. A, a lot of discussion in the last week among Bengals media about extensions for some of those defensive free agents that have come in and have become part of the core of this team. Is that something that we're discussing enough? Yeah, I think it starts with T, and that's obviously, you know, you, you can have that conversation a million times. To me, T is priority one, and there's a full-tier jump between T and the next guy who could get extended. Because he is one of the top players of his position, I think wide receiver two is one of the three or four most important positions on an entire offense when you look at what the best offenses in the league are investing in and how Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan designed this whole Bengals scheme in the first place. When you look at how young T is, when you look at the uh, the opportunity just to keep one of your, your best players in the band, you know, that T Higgins contract stuff, the probably the overall existential Bengals question, because the Burrow thing, I think we all we all expect to get done. Um, to me, that that is more of a priority. And you really want to focus on that before you even get to a DJ or a Logan or, you know, the, the other guys, Tyler Boyd and contract years. How would you rank those, Charlie? If obviously Joe and then T, but after that, let's say things don't go well with David Mulligetta, which they didn't with Jesse Bates, and that's T Higgins' agent and Jesse Bates' agent. For those wondering, and talks break off or they decide to play this year out, how would you rank that next tier of guys? Because you have young guys like a Logan Wilson, then you have Cheeto, DJ Reader, other guys like that that you could prioritize as well. What do you think they would do, and how would you rank them? Yeah, I need to see where Wuje is just physically. But sure. I'll, I'll be serious. If he's full go in training camp and looks as good as he can be in training camp, that would be a, a real conversation that I would have at that point. Um, I would, you know, when you look at positional value, I definitely have him in that tier. DJ's probably next just because of how transcendent he is. Also, the fact that they just don't have any any realistic path to replace him uh, without using a premium pick in next year's draft. Um, after that. You know, Tyler Boyd and Logan Wilson, I give the edge to Wilson because of age, but it probably is a big ask if you're investing so much in your offense to also have two market value linebackers on the same team. That's probably a big ask. I'm all for investing in the defensive line as a whole. Um, Joseph, I guess he's one year off, um, Osai in that class. But keeping the, the premium position guys especially, you look at DJ Reader, you look at Shinobi Awuja, then probably you get to Logan Wilson. And Tyler Boyd, I guess we'll see what happens, but – uh, I'm also interested in using a second or third round pick on a receiver next year. There's a couple guys that have been drafted as potential replacements. We can talk about some of those rookies. There's uh, a, a couple of guys that are also rehabbing that we haven't talked about as well. And, and we've talked the Jonah Williams thing, maybe to death. Maybe, maybe it's a dead horse at this point for some people, but I want to get your thoughts there as well as on some of these rookies, uh, because we, we haven't talked a ton about some of these rookies since the, the rookie mini camp and I think that how they're doing in the the full mini camp, the mandatory mini camp now this week is is an interesting point of conversation as well, where they're working, what units they're working with, and how they're developing in the early part of their pro career. Let's talk about some of those guys coming up next. 
Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering. And I get it. The finals, they're over. Charlie Goldsmith's Denver Nuggets. Yes, I got to give him a shout out because he was on the Denver train before anyone not uh, named uh, a Denver Nuggets fan or a diehard Nuggets fan. They took the title. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't get to FanDuel right now because you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't hit. And whether you're wagering on the Cincinnati Reds and uh, Ellie De La Cruz, maybe you want to go the NFL futures route because you think Joe Burrow is going to be MVP. All of that and so much more at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's chat about some of these rookies. Some of these, they're, they're not necessarily expected to contribute a ton for many of them that none of them are expected to start right away. But Charlie, as, as you're watching mini campus, you're in the locker room talking to some of these guys that are new to the team. What are, what are the standouts for you so far among this Bengals rookie class? My, my biggest takeaway, um, I'll start with a guy we'll probably be talking a lot about this year. Charlie Jones is a slot receiver. I talked to him about this. He says, that's how they're planning to use me. That's how I'm spending most of my time and energy. Um, I, I'm, he said, I'm really focusing on just the precision of my routes. That is something that the Bengals saw as a strength of him when they drafted him. If you need him to run seven yards, then cut to his left. He does that really precisely. Um, he's spoken about just the effort with and the high expectation of being on the same page there. His explosiveness also stands out as well. Um, you know, maybe he'll play 10 to 15 snaps a game at most this year, but he does the, give them a different gear. He can be like a, a gadget type guy in the short term. And then in the long term, I do think they are preparing him for a full-time role in the slot. I agree with you. I think he's, he's going to have an impact hopefully right away. I think he's got the, the right makeup. The, the thing that I think has surprised me, and I haven't talked about this on the pod, Charlie, Andre Yosevash seems to be farther along than most, including myself, expected. Everyone said, ah, oh, project, a couple years, all of those things. He's caught passes from Joe Burrow during this offseason program, during seven-on-seven. Seven. Might not be anything. It might mean something. But you have him following around T. Higgins. I think that's the, the right move because he is athletic, and you could kind of see those traits shine through even in offseason workouts. I know it's seven-on-seven, seven, but, like, he is open. And there's something legitimately to be said to that when you are going 75% speed against an NFL defense. Um, he also like could be one of the best gunners in the NFL right now. He had this play. I, I, here I am talking about a special teams rep. No, this is great. This is this is what I live for, Charlie. I'd never seen this before. So like how many times have you seen like think of Larry Fitzgerald in the Super Bowl that one year back end of the end zone gets his feet down and makes his catch in the air. I guess maybe that was Antonio Holmes. That's the catch I'm thinking of. It was Antonio Holmes. That's way, way, to, way to rub it in on a Bengals podcast about the in Steelers. The, in the back of the end zone, right? Gets Winning. his foot down. Yeah. You remember that. Yeah. Andre Yoshivas <laughs> made that catch at the goal line to down a punt. I'd never mm-hmm. seen that before. Like – Toes in front of the line, both feet in bounds, hands up, bringing the ball in at the high point. That was impressive stuff. And just at the very least, as, as a gunner, I think there's a lot he brings to the table this season. And that's particularly interesting because of that competition, like who he's in direct competition mm-hmm. with. If you assume the first four guys are the three starters plus Charlie Jones, maybe you think Trent Irwin 
has has a really good chance based on his role last year. He played a lot for this team last year, has the confidence of Joe Burrow and this coaching staff. And if it's only six receivers, then the direct competition is Andre Yosivash and Stanley Morgan and Trent Taylor. And talk about the, the special teams contributions of Stanley Morgan on all those units. Trent Taylor is a return man. I know uh, Charlie Jones was back there fielding punts as well in, in this mini camp period, as, as well as Kwame Lasseter. That's a lot of wide receivers vying for potentially one spot, maybe two spots on this roster. And if, if Yosivash is going to be able to be a, a good gunner, a good special teams player on multiple units early in his career as well, that's got to be a huge boost for his chances to make this team right away. And now we're really getting into the weeds. Like he is a big, strong guy. Obviously his athleticism and his frame is part of what made him such an incredible athlete. Like I'm being dead serious here. If he can run block, he'll play this year. Um, that's Stanley Morgan's role when Jamar T and Tyler come out or one of them come off the field. Often that's not, you know, when they're looking to make the most dynamic play. I think Yoshivash has the size to be a capable, maybe not all the way of a Stanley Morgan ceiling, but a capable, useful guy in those situations. And that's probably what it's going to come down to, gunning, run blocking. And then maybe you find, you know, a, a Trent Taylor route or two that fits Yoshivash's skill set that he can contribute to in the short term. I mean, he, you could argue he's the best athlete on the team. He's certainly yeah. up there. And in athlete on the football field is much different, but he is intriguing. And I, I do think work ethic wise, swag wise, everything like confidence wise, he gets it. And so he, he's fitting on in. Uh, what, what about some other rookies real quick? Um, um, specifically, uh, go ahead. You want Chase Brown or DJ Turner? Let's start with Turner. Let's start with Juan Drago. Best name. Um, he, I, I was watching him play. I'm like, all right, he looks stronger. I talked to him. He said he hasn't put on any weight, which I found was very interesting. Um, they seem to be, going with the frame that he had success with in college. They're also really testing, challenging him by having him play outside and inside right away, which is something they didn't do. You know, with a, a bunch of the rookies they've had, I can't think of who the last cornerback was who they've had play multiple roles, you know, right away in minicamp. Um, so they see him as someone who can make an impact with the speed over the middle of the field. I've talked to a couple guys, like, what's the biggest difference of the defense this year? They say more speed overall, and Turner's name is a guy that comes up there. He's not getting reps, um, you know, first-team reps. Alan George and Sidney Jones have been rotating in there. Uh, he's not quite in that mix yet, but, you know, I, I think he has the athleticism, the experience, uh, the winning pedigree to kind of challenge for, for midseason snaps if an injury came up and kind of be this year's Cam Taylor Britt if someone else came down. Yeah, um, and on the topic of, of speed, obviously the safeties – you're gaining some speed there if it is uh, if it is Nick Scott. But but it's been interesting, and maybe they're still being a little bit cautious with Nick Scott, who talked about a shoulder injury. It still looks like in at least some of what I've seen posted, which isn't a ton, you're seeing way more than I am since you're there in person, but Jordan Battle continues to get some free safety snaps with the first team. There's one clip in particular. I think it was the, uh, the Sidney Jones interception on the deflected pass off T's uh, shoulder where Jordan Battle was a post-safety, and Dax was up, pressed up uh, in the bunch. They had Irv Smith in a bunch, and, and there was just uh, Dax Hill playing man coverage on the tight end. And it wasn't Nick Scott deep. It was, it was Jordan Battle deep. I don't think that Lou Anarumo gets to be the mad scientist if he has only one safety who can be a free deep safety down the That's field. Right. It's funny, like Mike Hilton even said today that the Bengals plan to be more versatile on defense this year, and I literally said, Mike, how can you get more versatile? 
Um, <laughs> the Bengals trust Jordan Battle's athleticism. It's not his strength. That's part of where his instincts and his IQ and his ability to read the field and make adjustments will probably have to make up for for that. Um, but like, for example, a very light walkthrough stuff when they've done three safety looks, it's been battle in the game or like a mm-hmm. Tyson Anderson. And like, here's my guess, like, which one of them guards tight ends will depend on the strengths of the tight end they're guarding. And so that way, you know, even a guy like Jordan battle does have to be ready to do all three of those things. I could totally see that. I agree. I think the ultimate versatility in, in that back end, and, and a lot of people are like, Oh man, the, the safety room. And they're really worried. I think they're going to be fine. It might not be a super strength like it was in years past. And there's going to be somewhat of a drop off, but I, I don't think it's going to be at that level. Uh, let's dive into, you mentioned Chase Brown. There's a lot we haven't hit on. Maybe we will sneak in an offensive line uh, topic or two, but certainly running back has been a, a question, a discussion. And uh, I, I do want to discuss Chase Brown some because I liked what I saw from him on Tuesday. So we will do that coming up next right here on Locked on Bengals. Chase Brown, you mentioned him specifically, Charlie. I also wanted to get to Miles Murphy the Bengals first round pick just because it, it's mini camp and, and there's not a whole lot going on in the trenches. So there's not a whole lot to talk about, but we can still talk a little bit about what we've seen from miles Murphy. Probably talk a little bit about Joe Burrow and that offensive line topic as well, James. Well, let's talk chase Brown. What, what are your big takeaways with the Bengals rookie running back, Charlie? So I went to talk to him yesterday and planned to talk about all the typical rookie stuff. And he answered basically every single question by talking about how hard he's working to become a better receiving back and a better pass protector. I asked him about his running and, he, and he'd bring that stuff up. I, I think he fully has the mentality of trying to get and become that third down guy. Um, he talked about being a patient runner. He talked about um, that patience behind the line of scrimmage and turning that into explosion you know, to be honest, he didn't say this, but that's not Joe Mixon's strength. He said that probably is the, the different running style he brings to the offense compared to Mixon, who's a better cutter, who's better at getting 10 yards compared to, you know, the upside for the home run. Uh, but Chase Brown, again, his mentality, his focus working with the coaching staff has been trying to become a third down guy. He has the frame to do it. He has the athleticism to do it. He just hasn't done it. And they're trying to accelerate that process. Yeah, I think, man. He does give them that in the the dynamic in that running back room. There's obviously still some uncertainty, at least off the field with Joe Mixon on the field. It looks good to me. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. obviously they they lose some AJP Ryan, but you add Chase Brown, Travion Williams. They re-signed. How would you predict? And we're way out, but how would you predict like a snap count percentage, assuming the the backfield is what it is currently this season? The biggest question is in. I've said this before. I don't see Joe Mixon becoming a third down back. The Bengals made that bet in 2021 and it didn't work. And Samaj P. Ryan as a pass protector saved them. I think with that role, like they're going to have to get more creative. Like can an Irv Smith or a Drew Sample do some of those Samaj P. Ryan things? Like I'm serious. Like against the Ravens, their best game plan were tight ends in the backfield. Against the Cowboys, since they knew they couldn't block Micah Parsons, they started that game with Drew Sample as basically a half back in the backfield to pick up Parsons. When he got hurt, Samaj P. Ryan took that role and the rest was history for his season. I think they're going to be have to have to be more creative with their tight ends. 
Um, so that makes me think about Mixon, clearly the best receiver of the bunch. I think of that dig he ran against the Steelers, a play that Joe Burrow said, hey, what if we have Mixon cut over to the middle of the field and I hit him at the second level? Burrow trusts him as a pass catcher. He'll have to be more, um, you know, make more guys miss. He'll have to be, um, you know, increase those yards after catch and all that stuff. But I do think they have to get creative and then they'll mix in strength as a receiver can help them, you know, maybe play some more third downs, but I guess we'll see. The running back development and how many running backs they keep. I think both of those will be very interesting topics as we get deep into training camp. Only one cut down this year though, which is a little bit interesting. I mean, the, the vast departure from the three significant cut downs of, what, like five years ago? It wasn't even that long ago. But let's talk about the Bengals' first-round rookie because you would think he'd be the star of the show as far as rookies go. And, and we haven't talked a lot about him, and, and there are reasons for that. But what are your big takeaways from Miles Murphy so far, Charlie? Two things. First, like – and we don't talk about this enough. Like Sam Hubbard, third-round pick. Trey Hendrickson, third-round pick. DJ Reader, late-round pick. BJ Hill, late-round pick. Osai, third-round pick. Mm-hmm. The Bengals don't have a guy with the uh, athleticism and pedigree of Miles Murphy. He literally brings a new dimension, and there is something at, at edge rusher that when you are a first-round pick, there are categories or you know there are traits that you have that don't fall in the draft. And Miles Murphy looks like the most intimidating, threatening, athletic pass rusher they have. I don't expect him to put up Trey Hendrickson's production this year, but that's a different card the Bengals can play. And I was talking to Sam Hubbard about this too. He said for the first time – Guys aren't going to have to play more snaps than they should. That's like all the defensive linemen can talk about the excitement of everybody taking a step up this year because they're going to be like playing more defined, not overextending themselves. And, you know, BJ Hill playing like seven roles. Now he's only going to have to play five roles. And that's been such a key point with with some of the depth. Yeah. And when Trey Hendrickson gets hurt, it's not, oh, can Cam Sample find that juice off the edge? No, he's more of an early down guy. And they're going to use him that way because now they have Murphy and Osai to platoon in that role. Like now guys can really do what they're really good at instead of having to kind of overextend themselves and throwing in Jay Tufele, who I like, but throwing him into the mix in the middle of the season. Assuming that DJ Reader can get Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson off the field. He, he said that uh, last year he would have to y- literally yank them off the field because they would just be out there the whole time. And you're right, they do have the depth. That's, that's the fun part about this team, I think. You look at it, and yeah, we talk about right tackle a little bit, but there's some depth there. We talk about multiple names. It's not like, oh, well, will this rookie emerge? Or No, you're talking about established guys, cornerback. Yeah, if Cheeto's playing corner, they, they're deep there. I mean, I mean they're, they're deep in a lot of areas. This is... To me, and let me just ask you, is this team better than it was in in January when they lost the AFC Championship game? Even if they were healthy on the offensive line, do you think that they're better? I think a more interesting question is if the defense has the potential to be better this year than it was oh. last year. The, so the you think the offense and the team is better. Okay, so is the defense better? I think it's close. I think it's going to come down to how many turnovers Dax Hill creates this year. I do think he has more high upside turnover potential than Jesse Bates or Von Bell had. There will be those moments. You know, how many of those Nick Scott and Dax Hill have will be will be covering those moments very closely because that will show you a lot about their readiness to face Patrick Mahomes. But how many guys mentioned the depth at corner and the depth on the on the uh, defensive line and how guys can really do what they're good at now? Um, 
they're ready for injuries in a way they weren't as much last season. The continuity, um, keeping Jermaine Pratt, which is something a lot of guys weren't expecting in the building. Now having him back in the mix, one of the more experienced and probably one of the more talented linebacker duos in the NFL, like top to bottom until you get to the safety duo, which has questions, but does have more speed. They'll be different. And I think different, you know, with a coordinator in Lou Anaruma who can maximize guys with that speed and tackling different might be maybe even a bit better. I think that's certainly the, the hope, right? With the depth they've added, with the pieces they've kept, with the continuity they mentioned. Let's hit one more topic, Charlie. I'll, I'll let you choose. Joe Burrow, most interesting storyline, or would you like to weigh in on the right tackle conversation? I don't have any new Joe Burrow takes. I have nothing, nothing new to say about him. So I'll go right tackle. Um, people forget like how problematic like the, the issues that their, their right tackles have had since 2015. Like, all right, here's Cedric Obwehi, who was hurt all of last season, now playing a new position at right tackle after playing left tackle for most of his career. This year, it's going to be Jake Fisher, who had played a billion roles except for right tackle and had shown nothing on an NFL football field. You know what? Bobby Hart, I know he hasn't played well, but the Bengals are saying you're going to talk yourselves into this being the scheme where he <laughs> figures it out. Riley Reef, I know he's 33, but but he's seen it all, and he brings some veteran leadership. Uh, Lyle Collins, I, the most talented guy, but you know what? He, he's going to have to miss all the training camp because of a back injury. Like the Bengals have tried to talk themselves into a lot of right tackles over the last seven years. And I know it's a new position. I know it's you know chaotic, a lot going on with Joan off the field this year. But I will take these problems if I'm the Bengals because the player and the track record is pretty solid. Yeah, I think people get sick of Jake and I saying that about Jonah. And there was like work ethic questions. By the way, I asked Joe Burrow that obviously you were there and he was like shocked. I was asking about Jonah Williams's work ethic, but those are like legitimate things that people were saying. And, and I wanted him to be on record with it, but yeah, I, I think if, if Jonah does what everyone expects him in that building to do, it's going to be their best right tackle. You're right. Since at least 2015. My hottest take that is that this is a legitimately good offensive line. Like they're good. And the narrative that the Bengals can't protect Burrow is, is done. That's my take. That would be nice. That's my dream, Charlie. Yeah. That's my dream to not have to do offensive line segments for, oh my gosh, forever. It's been I, forever. I talked to Jonah about this yesterday. He was very excited. He said some of the criticism was deserved, but he did make the whole point like, well, you know, we did make it to the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. Um, but he said that the narrative can change now. And you, you just look around, like look at the guys. They literally look who's to the left and the right at their lockers and you Pretty, pretty good guys that they got yeah. who have played a lot of good ball in the league. A lot more of a, a proven track record, for sure, and some guys that I've been bullish on and some guys that they're bullish on. If you listen to, to Ted Harris and Orlando Brown talk up Cordell Volson and the promise he's showing going into his second year, so hopefully we see that Charlie Goldsmith hot take come to fruition good offensive line play for the Cincinnati Bengals truly good genuinely good offensive line play for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2023 at Charlie G underscore underscore on Twitter go follow his work he does a great job covering the Cincinnati Bengals you can also find his stuff with the Cincinnati Inquirer of course and Charlie we appreciate the time for everyone else out there thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, Zach Taylor will talk 
to the media to conclude mini camp on Thursday. So we'll have you covered after that as well. And that's it. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Who day and have a good one.